Hey, Gimme Shelter listeners, it's Matt. Hope everyone is safe and doing okay. I just wanted to drop a quick note here before the episode began. Liam and I recorded this on Thursday, March 26th at about 6 p.m. That was a day before Governor Newsom announced um, a new executive order regarding evictions, what the administration is characterizing as a statewide eviction moratorium. Many tenants' rights groups would disagree with that characterization. So just to let you know, some of what Liam and I talk about here um, is a little out of date, specifically when it comes to evictions, but actually a lot of it isn't. Um, if you want more information on what the new executive order is, I recommend you check out um, what I've written about it or what Liam has written about it um, or what countless others have written about it already. Um, that's it. Um, please enjoy this episode of Gimme Shelter. Gimme Shelter is supported by the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Welcome to Gimme Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin, data and housing reporter with Cal Matters, and I am Liam Dillon with the Los Angeles Times. And today, March 26th on the podcast, I don't know, there hasn't been a ton of news. Liam, do you have any ideas of what we can talk about? Uh, well, given that I've not left my house in maybe 97 hours, uh, I've had a lot of time to think. And mm-hmm. uh, probably we should talk about the coronavirus and its effects on housing. That's probably a good idea. So yeah. that's what we'll be focusing on today, the pandemic, which is still a word I must have used more in the last two weeks than I ever had in my life. Um, trying to think of other words that have recently entered. I mean, bending amid, the curve. Amid, amid coronavirus, amid pandemic, amid this catastrophe, amid has been everywhere. So are you, yeah. So you haven't done a mist yet? No, that's like, why would you, why, word economy, you know? Fewer letters when you can use them. We'll be focusing on how the pandemic has affected multiple facets of the housing crisis, um, a housing crisis that looks considerably different than it did just two weeks ago before all this started happening. We'll be talking about the state's emergency efforts to house the unhoused. We'll be talking about evictions um, and the state's efforts to protect people from being evicted or their lack thereof. And then finally, some big picture takes on what this all means, which I'm just kind of digesting still. Yeah, but we got them. Uh, first off, um, how you doing, man? Update, update our listeners on your health and well-being. So I'm feeling good uh, working out of the uh, LA Times Palms Bureau, which is my uh, one-bedroom apartment. Um, and I'm feeling okay. Yeah, it's been nice. My, my girlfriend, who still lives in Sacramento, was able to come down, so we've been able to hang out together. Although I do have big news for those who are familiar with my face. Mm. Uh, which is that, uh, so in order to do reporting out in the field, you know, the best practices are you wear a mask and to wear a mask, you got to be clean shaven. And so for the first time now in over, over a decade, no beard. Yes. And when we were talking earlier, I literally forgot that you had a beard. It's a nice beard and I don't know why you were hating on it, but, um, <laughs> I was, well, now it's no I wasn't more. hating on it. I was just, I think your Twitter picture, you don't have a beard, right? No, I do. You just got to look closely. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's got you know a little bit of you know a little bit of a little bit of roughness to it, you know. And you were telling me earlier you have received some type of protective kit from the LA Times while reporting in the field. Yeah, so we got you know the the mask situation, some gloves, some uh, hand sanitizer. They're they're doing uh, a decent job of uh, taking care care of us while we uh, 
do the work for the people. And I'll take this opportunity to remind listeners, now would be a great time to donate to Cal Matters. I have not <laughs> received any type of um, protective anything yet. Um, although there was a there was a letter from our, uh, Cal Matters attorney, yeah. that I guess, um, you know, giving us the right to go into the field should we need it. Ah, liability, so, I see. I see they're yes. taking care of numero uno. Uh, one thing that has changed for the podcast is that our intern producer extraordinaire, Jacob, uh, finished his internship. He is okay. Physically, he is fine. He is with his parents um, in South Carolina, where he's from. Um, but we just wanted to uh, put a shout out to Jacob um, and tell him thanks for everything he did for the podcast. Um, it will suffer both in terms of audio quality and content without him. Thank you, Jacob. And sorry we didn't uh, we weren't able to do a farewell episode with you here, but a global pandemic hit and civilization is falling apart, which I think is a decent justification. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jacob. Yeah, it's been great working with you uh, and look forward to all your future endeavors. And tell us how, how you're feeling, Matt. You had a bit of a, a scare. Yes. So thank you to everybody who reached out, um, you know, asking how I was how I was doing. I was at a journalism conference in New Orleans um, a couple of weeks ago, at which a couple of people tested positive. Um, I'm okay. I, uh, I did have a little bit of a cough um, coming out of that conference, but no other symptoms. And now I'm symptom free and my family's okay so um all all all, all things considered um but things are okay how are you starting your interviews with i I've, I've totally dispensed with hey how you doing i've stopped saying that i'm now going with hey you hanging in there <laughs> that's that's my approach now i i try to start with like a joke like um hey so i imagine you're in place that? What's it? Get a lot of laughs with that? I get or? a chuckle. Yeah. Okay. They go, oh yeah, I'm sheltering. Ha ha. You know, mm. that's, a, that's that tends to how people are reacting. So in um, extraordinary times, um, it's important to rely on routine, on the things that brought us joy before a virus ripped its way through the entire globe. Which means the most popular segment in all of California housing podcastery must make its return. It is the avocado of the fortnight our look at the most absurd California housing story of the past few weeks. Um, and this avocado of the Fortnite, I will rename the avocado egg roll of the Fortnite. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. So Matt, you may have expected the revolution to start in the factory. Mm-hmm. But did you expect the revolution to start in the cheesecake factory? Yes, I did. <laughs> When I think Cheesecake Factory, I think um, the rise of the proletariat. <laughs> well, good good thing because you're right. I um, am. The Cheesecake Factory, everyone's favorite uh, fast casual restaurant with a large menu, um, is has gone on a rent strike. Uh, the first that I'm aware of, uh, massive effort to say to their to the landlord, nah, we're not doing it. And uh, they've told their landlords for all of their restaurants, we're just not going to pay rent April 1st. Sorry. Which is something that many California renters um, who maybe don't offer 360 different types of M&M flavored cheesecake um, would would love to do as well. But they can't. I mean, well, they haven't. Uh, and they have, no one has the gumption of the no. Cheesecake Factory yet, it seems. 
And uh, Liam, I know you, you're already on the Cheesecake Factory uh, media listserv anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I believe you have a, a statement from them that, that you wanted to share? Yes, this is actually the letter that they sent to their landlords. Um, okay. And it is, uh, here we go. I'll start All right. quoting. Quote, due to these extraordinary events, I'm asking for your patience and frankly, your help. Unfortunately, I must let you know that the Cheesecake Factory and its affiliated restaurant Concepts, <laughs> okay, will not make any <laughs> will not make any of the rent payments for the month of April 2020. Please understand that we do not take this action or make this decision lightly. And while we hope to resume our rent payments as soon as reasonably possible, we simply cannot predict the extent or duration of this current crisis. We are continuing to evaluate the implications of the situation on our business, and we realize the impact. Uh, this action will have on our landlords. We appreciate our landlords' understanding given the exigency of the current situation. Okay, let's let's talk now about something much more serious. Um, I, I think probably the most urgent housing issue that has come up in the wake of the pandemic is uh, how state and local governments are going to house um, and protect the more than 150,000 people who are homeless in California. Well, if I had to isolate one storyline, I think that that would be the storyline that um, should be watched most intensely. This is an extraordinary situation where not only is this a, a situation that, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the state's homeless population anyway was an, an urging, urgent and emergent, you know, emerging crisis. Um, yes. But this situation where the best public health advice you have to prevent um, sort of a worldwide kind of economic and health collapse is for people to stay home. Right. Yes. And all the more urgency to, you know, do something to address those who don't have one um, for their own health and for the health of the larger population. And so to, to your point, I, I think certainly addressing the needs of, uh, of, of, of homeless people in the state is has to be top of mind, you know, when addressing this crisis overall, you know, similar to what you need to do to protect hospitals and doctors, you know, it's just it's that level of, uh, of urgency here. And you could sense that level of urgency with some of Governor Newsom's first remarks about how the state was planning on responding to the virus. So if you remember early on, and I, I know that a lot of his daily updates and even executive orders are blending together at this point. So the right. chronology can get a little confusing. Very early on when he was talking about the populations that um, the state was going to try to protect the most, um, he isolated uh, the elderly, he isolated people with underlying health conditions. Um, and those make sense, right? Those are the groups that are most susceptible to the virus, right? Right, right. And right. then um, to the, you know, uh, applause of homelessness advocates, he isolated people who are experiencing homelessness in California, and particularly the unsheltered. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is because people who are homeless, not only in California, but nationally, um, are disproportionately likely to fit those first two vulnerable groups. They're more likely to be old or, you know, over the age of 50 at least, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and they're more likely to have chronic underlying health conditions. Californians who've been paying attention to this issue for a while can look back, you know, as recently as what, three years ago? Um, in San Diego. The hepatitis, yeah, yeah the hepatitis yeah. A outbreak in San Diego. Yeah. So it seems like the kind of response that the state has, has done is they've tried to fall, things fall into two buckets, you know, yes. money, and then like actual some sort 
of uh, places to put people that are inside, and they've really focused on hotels and motels. So why don't we start with the with the money portion of it? Um, how's that? How's what's been done, and how's that going? So as of right now, 150 million in emergency funding has been released to uh, cities and counties and continuums of care, which are the uh, local agencies that are kind of responsible typically for uh, homelessness services. How much is 150 million? Uh, so by some metrics, considering how fast they got it out the door, um, it's a lot. Um, I think homelessness advocates will say, everybody knows this is gonna cost a lot, lot right, more. Right. There's gonna be another 650 million that was part of last year's budget um, that will be going out to local governments by April 1st. Mm, this mm -hmm. is part of the money that they were trying to expedite when the homelessness crisis, uh, when Newsom was talking about the level of urgency they needed to meet the homelessness crisis last month. Mm -hmm. So it, it's almost a little fortuitous that this money will be coming out when it is, you know, that being said, is that amount of money um, enough, the 150 million plus the 650 million for what they're trying to do? Probably not, they're going to need more funding. Yeah. So what are they trying to do with that money? Uh, so the 150 million specifically, part of it is going to uh, trailers that uh, they are sending out to some of the places with the biggest homeless populations in the state. Mm -hmm. The goal is to triage the homeless population um, for those that have actually tested positive for the virus, uh, for those that are experiencing symptoms and for those who were exposed to those experiencing symptoms or tested positive and also for people who are elderly, um, have underlying chronic conditions. So if you need to be isolated, you can go into the hope is one of these trailers. The money is also being used for some emergency shelter construction, for hand sanitizing stations, um, for keeping encampments as clean as possible, um, and possibly for uh, putting people who are homeless in hotels and motels. Yeah, and that's the other big thing that is yes. uh, that's that's been discussed for really since the beginning of this. Yeah. So as as early as uh, two weeks ago, Newsom was talking about um, a list of ended up being 950 properties, hotels and motels that could conceivably be used to um, house people who are homeless and especially at risk of the virus. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's been very hard to get details until recently on um, what those properties were. It, it turns out that those, those hotels and motels, not all of them have been contacted yet by the state. It's mm -hmm. a giant list yeah. that they've provided counties and said, hey counties, if you want us to help you negotiate um, a lease, uh, we will help you do that. But it's not 950 hotels and motels that have instantly put up their hands and said, yes, please, we don't have anybody in our rooms anyway. You can put people who are homeless here. So far, and this is what I've confirmed with housing officials in the administration, um, only San Diego County has actually procured hotels as of yesterday that people who are homeless have actually been moved into. You may remember Newsom, uh, kind of touted um, two hotels in Oakland that the state had um, arranged a lease with. Those have yet to actually have um, inhabitants yet. The, the take home I think is this obviously is an idea that makes sense on many levels, right? No one's in a hotel or motel right now. Progress has been 
I think, slower than the virus's timetable dictates. Well, right. right. I mean, the whole point of this is you have to act really, really, really fast to get people yes. inside and stay inside. And, and as you were seeing in some of kind of these bend the curve um, simulations or uh, practices around the globe that places have, that have taken definitive action faster are seeing, you know, seeing some results from that. And so the longer you wait, and now that there's been, you know, two weeks and only a handful of people have been able to take advantage of this, um, that's not with the urgency that I think, yes, to your point, the virus has kind of foisted upon us. Yes. And, and the question then is, could they have acted quicker and it's it, it's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is complicated to ne to negotiate a lease with um, a hotel asking them if we can put people who may have mental health and substance abuse issues there for you know they're asking for two to three months with an extended lease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not easy. However, you know, uh, it's again the virus has its own its own clock. Right. Right. It, um, and people in shelters are uh symptomatic um right. th that is happening now um and places in la and sacramento don't have hotels and motels yet to take those patients or take those shelter members isolate them from the rest of the population and put them in a place where they can self-quarantine right right now there is a group of folks um, down here in Los Angeles that have taken the situation into their own hands. Um, yeah. You have, uh, and this started, uh, I guess, close to two weeks ago now, um, when now it's more than a dozen homeless and housing insecure families um, simply seized um, properties, single family homes that are owned by the state transportation agency, Caltrans, in a neighborhood in Los Angeles called El Sereno. And these are properties that um, were uh, purchased uh, over decades um, because they were in a path for what would have been an extension of the 710 freeway down here. Um, but that project was abandoned and Caltrans has uh, been in charge of trying to dispose of them for a few years now. Uh, but there are vacant houses and uh, a bunch of families moved in saying, look, we already had an affordable housing crisis and homelessness crisis in Los Angeles and in the state. And now we have a public health crisis uh, and you should be doing everything in your power to move people into publicly owned vacant mm -hmm. property, vacant homes. And if you're not going to do it, we are. And that's exactly what they've what they've done. And is this an extension of the Moms for Housing movement that we saw in Oakland? Yes, it is. So uh, to remind listeners, Moms for Housing uh, in the fall was a group of um, homeless and housing insecure mothers in Los Angeles that took over a vacant corporate property. Uh, and then with a lot of uh, attention, um, the involvement of uh, the governor to negotiate a deal, uh, after they were evicted, uh, the corporate owner um, is in the process of selling that uh, property back to a land trust in Oakland. So some of the folks who were involved in the protest could live there. Uh, and so that was widely seen as a sort of a success direct action to kind of protest uh, vacant housing at a time of a homelessness crisis. And the folks that I've spoken with, I've been reporting out in El Sereno um, uh, over a number of days, um, certainly cited that experience in Oakland as a model for what they were doing. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much that spreads, um, and, and forgive the use of that word, but people were thinking that Moms for Housing movement might um, inspire similar actions. Um, and. and did before the virus hit, but yeah. now it, it, I think there's even more potential now. Right, 
Right. Yeah. So just an update on what's going on out there. Uh, they've been yeah. they've been out there. The families have been out there for or some of them uh, as many as two weeks. Um, there's been no a lot of police presence, um, but no attempts to evict the families. Um, I don't think that the governor has gotten a direct question to my knowledge about them, um, but they they have asked for the governor's help. Um, and so there, there's no kind of eviction going on, but um, after sort of a, a day where there was kind of a ton of action, where at least 11, if not more, houses were taken over, the CHP came out um, and to my knowledge are still um, outside the vacant houses that have not been taken over in the neighborhood, so about 50, um, and they're just stationed there. So this, so when I talked to a CHP captain uh, about this, he told me, look, oh, we're not interested in taking the people that are in the houses now out, but we are there mm -hmm. to prevent any more houses from being, um, from being seized. The optics aren't great. State law enforcement preventing people who are housing insecure or homeless from entering vacant state-owned property. Yes. No, that yeah. is not a good, not a good, uh, not a good look. Um, I will say. Um, Sorry, during the middle of a pandemic. Right, right. Uh, you know, I will say, um, uh, you know, one thing that, that we should note, um, it's unclear how many of the houses are actually like uh, habitable or really like healthy to live in. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to some neighbors. So who, it may not be safe. Yeah. Or like, you know, and maybe, maybe it's safe for, for a week, uh, but maybe it's not safe for a year. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like asbestos, black mold, these sorts of things that it's unclear, um, how much is, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, is in these houses that are now being occupied. Although I'm sure you yeah. could also argue that, um, this situation is better for many folks than say living on the street would be right now. Yes. At least temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to reinforce, um, a, a, a couple things, um, about homelessness in California. Um, which I think applies to both situations, which I think people should bear in mind as the as the state and local governments really try to make progress on it in unprecedented circumstances. So one, that 108,000 unsheltered figure that um, gets bandied about, that is very, very likely a underestimate. Right. Right. Yeah. It, any homelessness expert will tell you the numbers are um, are not the most reliable thing in the world because of a, a variety of reasons, yeah. but that they, they veer towards undercounting. Right. So it may not just be 108,000, it, it may be well more than that that are in need of emergency shelter right, right. now. And the technical um, the technical description is 108,000 on, on any given night, right? So the right. people who are falling in and out of homelessness and they wouldn't necessarily be counted, right? So, yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. And speaking of people falling into homelessness, um, many of those people are already living in overcrowded housing conditions. Exactly. California leads the country um, in certain types of overcrowded housing, which makes socially distancing yourself um, and self-quarantining all the more difficult. Um, it's also worth mentioning that we have the biggest homeless population in the country. So other, oh, you know, Washington state has to deal with this, but not in the way that we do. Let's uh, let's move on to another big uh, housing topic that has surfaced over the last couple of weeks in the wake of the pandemic. And that is evictions and what the state and local governments are doing to put a halt to them. Where do you want to start with this? Yeah. So um, obviously, as we said before, the idea that for public health reasons, you should be in a house 
right, um, applies yep. to this to this topic as well. Um, but also, I mean, the massive economic devastation that yes. um, that particularly for um, you know restaurant workers, hospitality workers, right, um, you know, folks who are already you know in lo low income industries. Um, uh, low wage industries, um, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And then when those paychecks go away, you know, rent is still there. Um, and so a lot of vulnerability among these populations, the hardest hit populations by the economic fallout of the coronavirus um, yes. on on those who are already at risk of being evicted. Yes, that's right. So e immediately as some of the federal and state directives to close pretty massive swaths of the economy came down, and some of those industries that you just mentioned, which disproportionately employ um, lower wage renters, um, there were calls from advocates and legislators for the governor to impose a statewide eviction moratorium. Um, and, he, some, uh, and he did not. No, he did not. Um, contrary to some of the headlines that were generated immediately afterwards, I'm not throwing shade at anybody um, in the Capitol Press Corps or in the media writ large, but I do wanna emphasize this is why it's important to have beat reporters because going into the executive order, at least I was hearing, we don't know if he's actually going to do the moratorium and then the executive order came out and no, there's no moratorium. And so that was my story afterwards, right? which well was not the story in, in other places and that message has got out there right i just got off uh, the phone with a tenant lawyer in riverside county today and he said he was talking with some type of human services agency official and he was informing him hey this executive order did not impose a moratorium and the the agency official said oh i thought it did right and that's right. someone so it's it's really important that the right information get out yeah um at this time sorry i know that's self-serving but just yeah. thought it just thought I'm not accusing you. <laughs> no, I know, because uh, I got it right. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but we should say what it did and why. Yes. In fact, there would be some legitimate confusion over over the takeaway from it. Um, basically, yes. what what the governor did was uh, authorize local governments, um, cities and counties, to pass their own eviction moratoriums that are along the lines of saying. Um, uh, if you are unable to pay your rent and you can document that it's because of the coronavirus, yes, uh, crucially, then you um, cannot be evicted, right? Um, and so, um, uh, and what is, what it's, was, it's important to yeah. keep in mind that certain localities were already imposing this before the executive order came down, at least certain mayors. So Garcetti yeah. had an right. eviction moratorium yeah. and Breed uh, in San Francisco right. had an eviction moratorium. San Jose um, was first, I believe. Um, yeah, San that. Jose yeah. was first, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yet, to, to the point I think that we're, all, we're, we're, we're getting to here, it's that um, it's unclear how much, if anything, additional authority the governor gave in that executive order, given that, right. that a lot of other places were already doing it. That's right. Yeah. And and. The administration would argue, hey, there was legal ambiguity here and we cleared that up yeah. and local governments know their situations best. Right. So we, that's and I think Newsom even gave some deference to um, local control, which is an argument that is, I'm sure, near and dear to many of our listeners. Right. Um, in rationalizing why they were taking this approach while saying if things don't work out as intended on the ground with this executive order, if local governments aren't going to impose moratoriums that protect renters from being evicted, then we will step in and do something else.
yeah. right? We, we reserve the right to be more forceful. I, I think it's worth delving into s some of the, the different types of evictions people might be facing now and how even local moratoriums might not affect them, right? So if you if you missed your uh, rent payment on March 1st yeah. and you had lost an eviction proceeding and you were scheduled to be locked out, in certain parts of the state, even if there is a local moratorium on evictions, that moratorium might only apply to cases that um, like you, like you uh, articulated earlier. Directly uh, related to the virus, yeah. Yes, financial file out from the virus. Right. So um, that means you might be forced out of your unit without a place to go. Right, uh, and you're um, seeing that happen, you saw that that's still occurring in Riverside. Yeah, yeah, so I've been monitoring this and checking in with the Riverside Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office is still performing lockouts. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that's been ongoing. Yeah. So we, we should say court systems across California, for the most part, have suspended eviction proceedings. Mm -hmm. So why don't we go through what does exist at the moment? Um, I think probably the the broadest is at the federal level. Um, uh, you know, in terms of the mortgage relief that's been offered by um, the, the government for those landlords that have multifamily properties on government-backed loans, which is about yes. a, a, an estimated about half of the mortgage market, um, those landlords are only allowed to get rid of their mortgage relief if they agree not to evict their tenants. And so that's a decent number of, uh, of apartments um, across the country. Yes. Um, also, um, there are some protections for that have already been announced from many public housing agencies around the country. Um, and the emergency legislation that um, still has not been passed by all of Congress, but was negotiated, uh, that includes um, eviction relief for those who live in uh, low-income housing. Across the state, there's a real though, patchwork in yes. what you're, what is going on. Um, you know, there was a letter that came in earlier this week from some le legislators, uh, more than, uh, or nearly, I guess it was more than three dozen of them, who are asking for Newsom to do more. Um, and they noted that, you know, around 50 of the state's 539 cities and counties have implemented local moratoriums, which is you know a very small percentage, right? Um, yes. When it comes uh, to I'll, yeah, although major population centers, yes. especially those yeah. on the coast, L.A., like, San Diego, San yeah, Francisco, San Jose, yes, L.A. Yes. County, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, but I think I think your your one of your stories had a good example, Downey, yes. which is a smaller city in L in the L.A. region, right. doesn't. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. We should also say here. Um, Landlords are affected by this too. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, not receiving rent payments for certain types of landlords will significantly impact um, the, not only their cash flow, but whether they can afford their mortgage payments, right? Right, right. right. Um, so that it was interesting too, because landlord associations have instructed many of their members so that, uh, so I'm talking about the California Apartment Association, to try to be as flexible as possible with tenants and have even um, said, you know what, we would actually prefer some type of statewide policy here so we don't have to go through the headache of figuring out all the different nuances of the local eviction moratoriums. Yeah, well, and not, not only that, I mean, it's, it's, if you look at some of these kind of strange bedfellow or strange things that would be unthinkable to have happened uh, like yes. a month ago um, among uh, around this eviction question or this tenant and, and landlord question, I mean, you have groups that fought, that spend tens of millions 
billions of dollars against yes. uh, fighting rent control measures in California, now saying, yeah, you know, um, actually, these, this California Apartment, Apartment Association, you know, telling their members, halt evictions for anyone affected by the coronavirus, hold off on rent increases, like don't increase anybody's rent, and work out payment plans for tenants. I mean, again, these are things that it would be unthinkable that a yes. landlord group would, 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 would be saying given recent history. Yeah. So there's uh, and a Los Angeles attorney um, named Dennis Block, who has in the past um, boasted that he has, quote, evicted more tenants than any other human being on the planet Earth um, and was filing eviction cases last week. Now, over the weekend, told his clients, you know, it's probably not a good time to do some evictions. You know? So so he said, you know, consider a temporary rent reductions for, for your renters, uh, your tenants, instead of putting them out. Um, you know, again, the eviction king saying, you know, maybe we should be doing this right now is definitely uh, definitely a thing. Yes, and somewhat of a, a change of... Um Tenor. Uh, tenor for him in a relatively short period of time because um, earlier in the week, um, I had interviewed him because he was tweeting um, that he was still filing eviction lawsuits, right. unlawful detainer lawsuits right. in, in the business, um, especially in places that hadn't uh, imposed their own moratoriums yet. So if, um, if, if Dennis is changing his tune, um, it is a bellwether of something. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's been interesting because Newsom has gotten this question from me um, and from uh, other reporters, um, including some of your colleagues. Yeah. Um, on why? Why is the executive order like this? And he is increasingly visibly annoyed at the question and keeps reiterating we are monitoring what's happening on the ground. And we will do something more if we think it's necessary. And that's kind of the, the extent of it. Yeah. Um, and then the question is, okay, so, so how long are you going to monitor this? And if you haven't acted yet, right. um, does that mean that what you're seeing on the ground is okay? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, with, uh, you know, I just talked to a woman who has a lockout scheduled in Riverside County on Monday. Right. So Liam and I will continue to be reporting on um, the eviction issue as it as it plays out. Um, follow us on Twitter. Let's talk about big picture stuff, particularly if we enter um, a prolonged recession, which I think is the, the big question on everybody's mind. Sure. And there isn't consensus among economists as to whether that will happen. Right. You know, some are saying, oh, well, it'll be a v-shaped recession and we'll come out of this relatively quickly in which case um the housing crisis looks a lot like it did before which is um, bad bad yeah but bad for different a different type of bad yeah what does the california housing crisis mean in a, a prolonged recession well i think that means less housing get that gets built so you have a shortage the shortage of housing it's already there it gets worse um, I think yes. I, th I, th I think it is very likely that there is a market slowdown. I mean, I think it, quote unquote yeah. positives, if you want to call it that, is maybe rent stabilizer go down, you know, yes. in that in that scenario, um, in the short term. Um, maybe land is cheaper, right? Yes. Um, maybe construction costs go down, which have been soaring, go down a bit, right? Um, yes. And those are all, I guess, positive things uh, when it comes to what it may mean to afford to live here in California. Yeah. Single family home prices. Yes, all those things, right? Um, but I think the flip side of that is, you know, worse, right? It's going to yes. make it worse, which is, you know, 
Um, uh, the reason, part of the reason why uh, rents may come down um, is because incomes are going to go down. You know, yes, people, incomes will go down far faster. Far faster. A lot of people will be out of work too. Yes. Um, so you're going to need to increase the demand for affordable housing. That's for sure. And then also too, you know, local revenues are going to go down significantly too. Tax revenue, and that just doesn't mean when you're talking about you know spending money to subsidize low-income housing, right? Which local and state government mm-hmm. does, but also when it comes to things like nuts and bolts stuff, like. If a government doesn't have money to, you know, has to lay off a series of planners or has to lay off the people who do building permit checks, right? That means it takes a lot more time and adds a lot more bureaucracy or makes it longer to go through the bureaucracy to build any kind of housing at all, right? Um, And so that's also bad, kind of not an immediate effect, but one that I think is very real when you see the uh, amount of money that is going to be tied up. uh, by um, a slowing economy um, and by all these increased immediate needs that people are going to have during this crisis. Yeah, and I, I think it's instructive to look at what happened during the Great Recession um, to, to kind of get a sense of what could happen now. The Great Recession is not a perfect analogy because there were some unique features of it in the housing market exactly. that had yeah. some odd outcomes, probably right. most notably because of the foreclosure crisis. You had people moving from the single family home ownership market into the renter market. Right. And and rents did not drop as much as many would have suspected or as much as um they may have dropped during a typical recession, right? Right. right. So, so I think it is fair to predict probably will see rents decline and single-family home prices decline. That part may be different. Um, at least the rental part might be different. But um, one thing that we can learn from the Great Recession was we were not building enough coming out of it. When the economy eventually started picking up again and picking up in some places at breakneck speed, you know, the Bay Area, most notably, we, we weren't building as much as we were before the recession. Right. Um, and then you you had the affordability crisis that you have now. And not only that, um, uh, state and local governments did not invest in affordable housing very much. Uh, and programs that were intended to um, build up low-income housing for people at the bottom of the income la- ladder were slashed during the Great Recession, and then were not, um, they were kind of incrementally restored in recent years, but not restored in full force. If you're thinking about housing assistance, then the housing assistance you're going to give is going to be money to keep people like from losing, like from getting evicted, from, lo- from being able yes, to pay their rent, exactly. right? You're not investing that money in building new affordable housing. There, there will be, and this sounds perverse, but there will be um, beneficiaries to this. If you are able to retain your income and it's a decent income and the price of a single family home drops, or if you're a corporate investor, right? And you wanna snap up some single family homes that got, um, foreclosed upon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these are some of the other lessons you can learn from the Great Recession, right? Right. right then right. falling prices is a good thing, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for people who are already vulnerable, this is going to be worse than it was. Yeah. At a time, and yeah, the demand will be significantly higher, um, and the uh, ability for the government to react will be significantly lower. So let us hope for the V. Let us hope for the V. Mm-hmm. We do plan on talking about some of the 
debates we're now seeing about whether density is a good thing um, in the wake of the pandemic. There were already debates about whether density was a good thing, but now um, those debates have kind of taken a different hue, I would say. They're extra. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, they're extra. There you go. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, to our, that's for our Gen Z audience. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, our Gen Z audience currently listening to this on a beach in Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, we, we will be hitting that on future podcasts. Obviously, this, uh, this virus has interrupted the podcast schedule, but we do hope to get back on track um, after this one. You can expect one every two weeks, especially as we, we now seem to have at least temporarily solved some of our recording logistical issues. So. Yeah um that's it everyone stay safe first and foremost um find a way to separate yourself from the four other roommates you have in your two-bedroom apartment and yeah anything else you want to do your twitter plug sure i'll do my twitter plug uh okay so again i'm liam dylan with the la times and i'm on twitter at dylan liam i'm matt levin with cal matters you can follow me on twitter at m reports uh thanks again for listening and we'll see you soon 